Welcome to Cordova Church of the Nazarene online edition. Um, we are glad that you're here. If you're new and you haven't, you haven't worshipped with us in person before, we would love for you to kind of reach out, um, find a way to comment on the Facebook page, email us, connect through our website, cordovanaz.com. We would love to be able to connect with you and, and maybe send you a little something just to say welcome. Just because we're online that we aren't worshiping together in a very real way. So let's, let's open in prayer this morning. Almighty and ever-living God, in your tender love for the human race, you sent your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to take upon him our nature and to suffer death upon a cross, giving us the example of his great humility. Mercifully grant that we may walk in the way of his suffering and also share in his resurrection through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Hosanna. Happy Palm Sunday. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, Psalms 22, 1 through 11. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were put and were not put to shame. But I am a warm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. <clears throat> All who see me mock me, they make mouths at me. They wagged their heads. He trusted in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delighted in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth. And from my mother's womb, you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help.
welcome you here, Lord Jesus. This is Isaiah 52, 13 through 53, uh, 12. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so married beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told, them they see, and that which they have not heard, they understand. Who has believed, he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he was he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed, and we shall like, sh- and we like sheep have gone astray; we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before his shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grief with the wicked and the rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his land. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall he, shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. New Testament reading, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, 
being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. God. If you are uh, worshiping online with us today, I just wanted to say uh, that there are still ways to give. And so there are four ways that we can think of. Um, you may come up with a different way. I don't know. If you want to, that's great. Get creative. But the first way is our Tithely app. And, and if you have the Tithely app, you're going to look up Sacramento Cordova Church of the Nazarene. Um, and you'll be able to give right through that app. You can set up recurring giving. It's a great, it's a great tool. The second way is to give online at our website, cordovanaz.com. There's an online giving button you can go pick there. You can also just bring it by. We have a locked mailbox. And so if you want to just drop your check uh, in the mailbox, or I don't know, your pennies, um, your piles of cash, that's all fine. Whatever, whatever feels right to you. And, um, and the last one, if you don't want to actually come physically down, you can mail it to us. Um, and we would love to, love to do that. Uh, so those ways should be right here at the bottom of the screen. Um, and we hope that you're able to find a way to continue to participate and support uh, the mission and the ministry of Cordova Church of the Nazarene. You believe it 
chains He's a chain breaker With you wherever you are, Cordova, and all those watching and listening, I'd like to join with you all in prayer here. I want to remind before I begin that you're more than welcome. Pastor Jeff set up a Facebook group, the Cordova Naz Prayer in Crisis line. I want to say, I want to believe you'll find the group, uh, and you're more than welcome. Within there, just to post any prayer requests that you have over the week, we, uh, we gather, we collect, and we pray them all together here as we watch this all share on Sunday morning. So shall we pray together? Lord our God, we are grateful this morning to be able to come together, even via these virtual digital means, to lift these prayers up to you, to give you thanks, Lord, for the way that you have created, you have made this world, you bring forth the rain to water the earth, you've created the mountains, the land, the seas, you've created, Lord, the wonders, the trees, the forests that we have, the sun and the moon that you make to rise consistently every day and every night. We want to, Lord, continue to lift up our world, all that you have made and created in the midst of these current circumstances that we're facing. Most especially, Lord, as we pray for these languages, these nations, these peoples, um, for those who have come together, Lord, and shown the resilience that you have given us, shown to us um, the capacity to be able to share into your grace and the response of this um, coronavirus pandemic. Um, we especially, Lord, want to lift up, as we have been requested by um, our NMI leaders, the uh, country of Italy, giving thanks, Lord, for uh, its rich heritage, for its culture, for its people, for the way, Lord, that from the very beginning, it was the center of your Church, We want to continue to ask, Lord, that you might bring forth those who are being uh, affected um, by the virus through this, that those in the hospitals and maybe especially those, Lord, that you have appointed as your people, the church, to be your hands and your feet, to bring forth healing in their lives, to allow there to be this space for recovery, this good news, this way to be able to glorify you in what you're doing in and through that country. Lord, we want to also lift up all those... Um, in our own locality, um, in the United States, those we know have been affected, the more now than 240 or so thousand cases of those who are experiencing the coronavirus, uh, just asking, Lord, that you might be present, that your grace might be provenient in all of those places. We give you thanks, Lord, that you have brought through more than that all who have recovered now from this illness. We know that you are at work in those who are presently, Lord, afflicted and experience this and just ask that um, you might sanctify um, them in this time of illness and allow them, Lord, to know what it means to be um, and to have you present there with them. We want to continue, Lord, to pray for your church just broadly and overall across the world to act with that same gracious charity and loving spirit that your son himself also did when he reached and he touched the leper when he ate with the sinner, to be present, Lord, with the poor, with those who are suffering, with those who have coronavirus, Lord, with the widow and the orphan. Allow us, Lord, to live fully into that mission in a sense of the hope and the power and the presence of your kingdom that you alone can give. I, Lord, want to pray for those local churches around here that have been particularly affected like 
Bethany Slavic Missionary Church. Lord, we continue to pray for those uh, churches like Capitol, Bayside, Jesus Culture, Mayhew Baptist, Sacramento First Nazarene Church, um, for Lincoln Emmaus Church. May they continue, Lord, to be able to do your will and be able to work in their communities in this time through the means that they have available digitally and otherwise to continue to hold up that witness to you, um, even in the midst of the confusion, even in the midst of the chaos. Lord, we want to continue to pray for Sacramento, for the city, for Mayor Steinberg, for Sacramento County, um, for Governor Newsom, for President Trump, as they have so much ability, Lord, to influence how the public reacts and responds to this. Grant, Lord, that they might have the wisdom, the knowledge, the authority be surrounded with um, those who are able to give them good knowledge, insight, uh, in to the right course of action to take and to bring us, Lord, back to a sense of normalcy as society, to draw out from us the sense of common good that we share uh, in the grace that we receive and that we give to one another. Lord, we want to continue to pray um, for those that um, not only have been affected by the virus, but just in other means and ways. Lord, for Clyde's wife, Marvella, um, just asking for... Um, your healing touch and thankfulness, Lord, for their presence, for the way that she supports um, Clyde, and for the way that they, the two of them have been these um, faithful witnesses to you all these years in the churches of which they are a part. We want to continue, Lord, to pray, uh, give thanks for Jackie and for Jim. Um, ask, Lord, that she might be able to recover in healing from her fall, for the healing that you're working in her body presently, and being able to find resource through doctors and nurses um, and navigating uh, the challenges that the pandemic provides, just asking that she gets adequate medical care to allow you to do the work in here that she needs so that she might be uh, fully restored in body and in mind. We want to, Lord, continue to lift up Kathy's friend, Herman, um, and for all those, Lord, that are in hospice, for all those in the midst of passing from this life to the next, whether that's through cancer, whether that's through heart disease, whether that's through um, pneumonia, the flu, um, just asking that they might be able to, with the time that you have given them, pass along that legacy of wisdom, of knowledge, of what it means to live wholly and fully to you, not only in this life, but in to the next. We want to continue, Lord, to give you thanks for Rosemary's victory in um, sobriety and in health and well-being, and just ask that you might provide and be a shelter to her uh, continuing, Lord, to lift up Debbie Field's sister, Jerry, and patiently bearing her circular, circulatory condition. And Lord, we want to be able to lift up all those who have died. In this congregation, Lord, we continue uh, to very fondly, dearly pray for those recently departed, Jeff Herzig, Donna Ramirez, Benny Hedman, and Billy Olivas. And we also, Lord, want to lift up those 8,000 persons in the United States, who these past couple months passed away from the coronavirus, remembering, Lord, the 10,000 who have taken their lives in suicide, the 11,000 in that same time period that would have died from the flu or pneumonia, the 135,000 of heart disease, knowing, Lord, that as they have reached the conclusion of their lives, you and you alone are able to bring to them and restore to them this new life, the life that we all have hope in. May they now be at rest in you, and might we follow in those who have sought within their life to be more and more like you and your Son, who sought not 
equality with you, but humbled himself. Lord, we want to lift up all the children, especially in this time of virus and sicknesses. For Kathy Souza's granddaughter, Jessica, who will soon be coming to full term and giving birth to her child. For the young children in this congregation, for Peter Kewen and Miriam Bassett and um, Zane, for uh, baby Miguel, just asking that you keep them strong, healthy, robust. Allow the children in this congregation to know what it means in navigating with their parents through this time, how to turn to you, to rely upon you, to trust and surrender their lives to you. Lord, we lift up all these prayers, praises, petitions, knowing that you are faithful to hear them and to respond to them. Might we, Lord, in the fullness of this moment in time, be able to make that good confession of the ways that we have fallen short and trusting that you and your Son will forgive and reestablish us to walk in your ways and take delight in your will in all things. We pray this all in your Son's name. Our gospel reading this morning comes from Matthew 21, 1 through 11. Hear the word of the Lord. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent, to, said, sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought a donkey and a colt and put on them their cloaks, and Jesus sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before them and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna, son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. The Gospel of our Lord. I know that uh, about a month and a half ago, I was starting to hear reports about this pandemic that was coming and the chance that, that we might actually be locked in. We might have to give up a lot of the ways that we normally lived our lives. And I just remember thinking, like, there's no way. There's no way that that could happen. There's no way that that could take place. And yet, sort of, here we are. You're on that side of the camera. I'm over here. Um, and it, it seems, it really does seem that caution there has really proved to be the better part of wisdom. And so I hope that you're doing well where you are. But I noticed, too, an article this morning um, saying, well, for us, it's, for me, it's this morning, which is Saturday. Uh, for you, it would probably be yesterday, depending on when you're watching this. Uh, but I noticed an article saying, how did we get so lonely as a culture? How did our world get so isolated and cut off from each other? And really, I think these last few weeks have only accentuated what was so real for so many of us anyway. And as I was kind of thinking about that, I, I only saw the, the title of the article, but as I'm sort of going through that in my head this morning, I'm realizing whoever is writing that, I don't think they're going to get the answer right. 
Because whoever was writing that article, I doubt, I sincerely doubt that their conclusion was going to be that we are actually a people who are made for community, who are made for worship, who are made for fellowship with God and with one another. And so because there's this, I don't know if you call it a rejection or an ignoring of the wisdom of the church and of what seems in a world full of consumer goods and entertainment that is just beyond what any of us can produce for ourselves, in that world, it really is, it seems like foolishness to say that we're made to gather with one another, to share our hearts with one another, and more than anything, to share our hearts with God and to receive the good news of the gospel in Jesus Christ. And yet we know and we see in the gospel readings today that, that really it's God's, what seems like foolishness in God, we find out to be the, both the beginning and the end of wisdom. Jesus comes into Jerusalem, but he doesn't come in as a conquering king. He comes in as one humble and riding on a donkey. And we know that as, as he comes into Jerusalem, that he's in a pretty tricky political situation because Jesus had been set up by the crowds and those around him. He had kind of been set up as this rival authority. And so those in Jerusalem who ran the temple and those who were in Israel but actually representing Rome and the empire that, that was over Israel, they really had this sense of, we, of, uh, of being challenged and threatened by Jesus. And so for him to come into this city where nobody who has authority is his friend is an extremely dangerous thing. But even that danger, even that difficulty, even that recklessness, proves to be the deepest sanity. Jesus had shown himself to be more than a Nazarene carpenter. He had been um, the source and the sign of, of God's presence among the people of God, of God's presence among Israel. He had been performing signs and miraculous wonders, but it wasn't just about the miracles. It was about his ability to teach with authority. It was about his ability to speak the truth and to back it up with the power of God. And as he, as he does that, people come to realize this really truly is a prophet. Israel was used to prophets. They had a lot of prophets in their history, and, and there were different kinds of prophets. And actually, the way that prophets prophesied changed over the years. The first, the early prophets like Nathan and Samuel, most of their, most of their pro prophetic sort of ministry engaged with the kings. It engaged with those who were already in authority and already in leadership. And they didn't spend a lot of time necessarily talking about one who was to come. Instead, their ministry was about how do I help the people who are already leading lead better. And so they would go about their ministry helping whoever was king be a better king than they were at that time. They would speak to the leaders. They would preach to the leaders. They would kind of bring in God's word to those leaders. But even as they were doing this, great tragedy continued to happen in Israel. Israel continued to live lives of unfaithfulness. And so a new kind of prophet arose. We get that prophet in Isaiah 52 and 53 especially. Isaiah talks about this suffering servant. He gives what we call these songs of the suffering servant as he comes towards the close of his book. Where there is one who is going to bring both the mercy and the judgment and the justice of God. Who's going to preach it and who's going to embody it in his own life. The way 
that this leader is going to embody that mercy and justice shows up in a strange way. We often don't know what to do with the idea of somebody suffering on our behalf, and yet that's exactly what Isaiah says will happen. That this Messiah will come, and he will actually suffer on behalf of the people that he serves. He's going to do some things on their behalf so that they don't have to do it. He says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God, afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions and was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. But not only was he a proxy who sort of fought the battles for the people of God, he also is this deep friend of God. And so he finishes the chapter with these words. Therefore, I will divide him, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. This suffering servant, this Messiah, this new kind of leader and new kind of king is going to receive from God a life that no other leader has yet received. It's an amazing moment. And yet even then, even Isaiah, even the people of God as they're receiving the word from Isaiah had no idea that when this leader really came that he would himself be God. And that's what the prophets begin to say in the third stage. Zechariah, who Matthew quotes as he tells the story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem, says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. When Zechariah prophesies, and he's chronologically later than Isaiah, when Zechariah prophesies, he is talking about a prophet who is not only going to kind of bear the person of God to his people, but he actually starts to say that this person is going to bring a new kind of kingdom, right? It's going to be a kingdom of peace, and so we can't miss that. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. Ephraim's in the north, Jerusalem's in the south, and I will break the battle bow. He will speak peace to the nations. Peace is going to reign not only in Israel, but everywhere. And I, the thing is, I've never really known what it is to live under peace. Every king, every queen I've ever known has been a king and a queen who has brought their rule with violence. Whether it's actual violence or the threat of violence. We live in a world that's not used to peace. But this king is not going to come like, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Mad Max, but he's not going to come like this Mad Max character out on the edge of the front of his tank, the hood of his car, as he tramples over the bodies of the defeated. No, this king is going to come peacefully, humbly, riding on a donkey, undoing all of that violence with a word. God sees a new kind of kingdom at work in him. But not only that, not only that, this king who's going to come is, is a king who doesn't just come on behalf of God, but who is God. 
Zechariah in this third stage of prophets, they start to see that Israel's problems are so big that God alone can fix them. Israel's problems are so large that no amount of new leaders who come in with fancy words or able to lead an army is going to be able to fix Israel's problems. It's got to be God himself. And so notice how the pronouns change. In the first verse of that Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9, he says, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. But then in verse 10, it's I will cut off the chariot. I will cut off the war horse. I will break the battle bow. And he shall speak peace to the nations. And so you read that and you just go like, well, which is it, Zechariah? Like, is it this one that you're sending or is it you? And Zechariah's answer and the answer of the prophets at this time is yes. It's both. But it's, a, it's an answer that they couldn't have imagined. It's an answer that I could not have invented. We could not have created the idea of God entering into our world. And yet he does. He does. And he comes as the only, as a king that only God could be. A king whose reign is present in peace and not in violence. A king who is not threatened by the temple elite of Jerusalem or the imperial shills sitting in the palace in Jerusalem or Rome for that matter. He's a king who brings peace to a cross. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're a Christian. I don't know. Maybe you're, you are a Christian and you still don't understand why all of this might matter for you. Why all of this Old Testament stuff might actually impact you in your life. Or why a story about a Messiah from 2,000 years ago makes a difference for us here in the 21st century dealing with what we're dealing with. But our conviction is that God's vehicle for salvation in this world is the nation, the people, and the history of Israel. And so anything God is going to do begins and then spreads out from the people of Israel. Those covenant promises to Israel, to Abraham and his people are not broken. And so just as my soul cries out for God's kingdom, just as your heart desires to see a king like Jesus, a peaceful king, there's a part of all of us who have been created by God, which is every single one of you who might be watching this today that knows that we were made for that kind of kingdom. We were made not for a kingdom that builds itself on violence, fear, intimidation, but knows itself in the peaceful establishment of Christ and his kingdom. Said at the beginning, it's hard to wrap your head around the lunacy of the world. It's hard to sort through what experts might be right and what experts might be trying to tweak the information for their own gain. And we look at that and some of us just throw up our hands and we're like, okay, what are we going to do? I, I mean, everything just seems so messed up and I have no ability to process it, so I guess I'll just do whatever I end up deciding to do. <laughs> Honestly, a lot of times it's hard to figure out what we're going to do tomorrow, especially in a time like this. But what we know and what we're convicted of is that even 
what looks like foolishness in God's story is really sanity. What looks like lunacy to the world is the deepest stability and peace and wholeness. The world is caught up in power, in violence, in the desire to be on top. But we, if we follow Christ, we're not caught in that kind of back and forth. Even in Jesus' world, they were caught in this sort of back and forth. Right here, they're, in this story, they're calling out Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus is sort of the bell of the ball. And yet in two or three days' time, they're going to be crying, crucify, crucify. It's this whiplash that you just kind of can't get your head around. But if you want to stay safe, if you want to stay stable, if you want to stable, if you want to keep your mind and your heart truly fixed on the things that will not change, it's keeping your eyes fixed on Christ, who even now rides a donkey toward his throne, a Roman cross, toward his glorification, his own death. John Wesley says that Jesus comes like this in this upside-down way in order to confuse all pomp and worldly grandeur. And we know that this gospel, this good news about Jesus Christ is in fact sanity preached to a world of lunatics. Whose side are you on today? Whose kingdom are you a part of? Are you a part of the kingdom of the one who rides a donkey into Jerusalem knowing exactly where it's going to lead because he trusts in the God who creates and gives all life? Or are you part of the world that is insecurely trying to grab on to whatever power they can because they're afraid of what might come if they don't? My hope is that you're in Jesus' kingdom. Would you pray with me this morning. Lord God, thank you for bringing us into your place, into your kingdom, into your hope and your home. I want to pray, Lord, that anyone out there who may need to hear this would be able to pray with me this morning. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm tired of being in my own kingdom. I'm tired of being in the kingdom of the world. And instead, Lord, I want to come into your kingdom. Would you allow me to be emptied as your son was emptied? Would you allow me, Lord God, to be filled with your hope, with your help, with your life? Or would you empty me of all but love? And now, if you want to hold out your hands, turn them down to the ground as though you're letting go of everything else that you might Hold on to, Lord God, would you forgive me for the way that I've been living? Would you allow me to repent and to turn and to change? And then turn your hands up to the sky as though you're receiving from God all the grace and the goodness that he desires to pour out into your life. Father in heaven who gives all good gifts, enable me to come into your kingdom, into the life that you are bringing into this world. Lord, enable me to live as your son Jesus has called us to live. 
crucify myself, my desires, and to know, to live instead in your eternal life, even now. These last weeks that we have not been able to be together in the body have made it hard for us to be able to share together in the table. Pastor Jeff has taken a moment, so I'd like to now just, just to kind of walk through with you what, what we're kind of doing here in this moment is um, we're consecrating and blessing these. You know, the gift that the, our Lord has given us in coming to the table is being able to share in mind and spirit, but also in body in this kind of inseparable way. Who we are and what we have been made in and through his body. And to do this without all of you, I think it reveals, as Pastor Jeff unfolded in his sermon, this kind of brokenness within our world. Pastor Jeff has mentioned that we don't bless the elements virtually or remotely simply because it might be anybody else at the other end of this camera. And as ministers to our Lord entrusted with the gift of faith, and this isn't just Pastor Jeff and I, this is all of us in this body of believers who have been entrusted with this deposit, we're responsible to those who partake of the bread and the cup as this calling and invitation to a shared life, a response to what Jeff just invited people in his prayer at the end of his sermon. In a live sermon, you have this bodily presence which helps to facilitate that. You see who's here, and there's kind of a way to call them in, but at the end of the camera, we have no way of knowing who would take of that. And in that case, somebody might take in a confusing manner or this gift might be made into something other than it actually is. But still, to consecrate and receive these elements without you is, for all of us, painful. I do want to reemphasize that I don't take these elements here in this moment because I'm the most important person in the room. In fact, I'd say to the contrary. As Pastor Jeff talked about in his sermon... I believe that Christ has called me because I'm the least and the lowest. So that it might be clear that it's not by virtue or by merit or by greatness or by position that anyone comes to the table, but that it's because of Christ himself who invites and calls to this table and who makes a promise in and through this body that he still continues to love, to care, and to pray for you. And if he can do it through this body... He can also continue to do it through you. Final thing here as we consecrate these elements. I'd like to invite you, if you have this wholehearted devotion to the Lord, to give thanks for your meal following the service, for the daily bread that the Lord gives, in that same spirit of hope and the love, for the Lord does come indeed to meet you, and he who has given his life here at this table is also given the food that we, the drink that we eat on a daily basis. Every grain of the fields belongs to our God, and he gives it out of love and delight for your existence. Our great Thanksgiving will happen here in a moment, but it's to cultivate a lifestyle, and that I hope you do wherever you're at. The communion supper instituted by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is a sacrament. And it proclaims his life, his sufferings, his sacrificial death, 
and resurrection and the hope of his coming again. It shows forth the Lord's death until he returns. The supper is a means of grace in which Christ is made present by the Spirit. It is to be received in reverent appreciation and gratefulness for the work of Christ. For all those who are truly repent, forsaking their sins and believing in Christ into salvation, they are always invited to participate in the death and in the resurrection of Christ. When we come, we come to the table that we might be renewed in life and salvation and be made one by the Spirit. Holy God, we gather at this your table in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who by your Spirit was anointed to preach good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Christ, he healed the sick, he fed the hungry, he ate with sinners and established a new covenant for the forgiveness of sins, and we live in the hope of his coming again. On the night that he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took the bread, and after he given thanks to you, he broke it. And he gave it to all of his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, he took the cup, and after he had given thanks to you, he gave it to all of his disciples, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you, and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of our faith, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. And so we gather as the body of Christ to offer ourselves to you in praise and thanksgiving. We ask that you might pour out your Spirit upon each and every one of us, wherever we are, and upon these, your gifts here. We ask, Lord, that you might continue to make them by the power of your Spirit to be for us the body and blood of your Son, that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. And Lord, by your Spirit, as only you can, make us one in Christ, one with each other, and one in the ministry of Christ to all the world until Christ comes in final victory. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Would you pray with me? The prayer our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the body and the blood of our Lord, which is given unto everlasting life in him.
Hey, um, I just wanted to come in with some announcements. This is a strange time for us to be separated from one another. And so um, we've got some things coming up this week. This is kind of our, our highest holy week um, leading up to Easter. And so we hope that today you will post your palm. You will take this uh, palm cross that I hope was in the package that got sent to you and post that on our Facebook page or you can cut your own palm branch. I don't care. The bigger the better, I say. Um, so I'm going to hopefully, I'm going to win the post your palm competition with the biggest palm branch. Uh, but other than that, so moving into the rest of the week, every day this week, Monday through Saturday, I'm going to be on Facebook Live at noon. All right, um, I'm going to be there at noon. I'm going to lead 10 to 15 minutes of prayer, and uh, it's not going to be a back and forth. It's not Zoom, so it'll just be one direction. You can show up, pray with us, and the idea there is you're just going to calm and still your heart as we get ready to lead into um, Friday, Saturday, and, and eventually Easter Sunday. On Thursday and Friday of this week, our Maundy Thursday and Good Friday services will be posted at 6 p.m. That's the time we would have held them here um, at 3520 Bradshaw. And so we will post them uh, on YouTube the same way you're watching this. It'll go out in an email. It'll go out through Facebook. It'll be on YouTube, and you can watch and participate in those services that way um, on Thursday the 9th and Friday the 10th. And finally, um, that this coming Saturday, okay? So... We're going to do a new thing called a flowering cross. And what it is, is we've built a six to seven foot cross, depending on, um, you know, it's on wheels right now, so it's a little bit taller. And, and it's covered in chicken wire. And we want you to bring us a flower on Saturday night. We will be here from four to seven. And you can bring two or three or ten flowers if you want, but we're going to cover this thing in flowers and then set it out on Bradshaw Road. And what you can do, you'll just drive through the parking lot, we'll have the cross out there. Either me or Debbie or Andre will be there to kind of guide you on what to do. You can get out of your out of your car, throw your flowers in, hop back in, and go. And we will stay six to eight feet away. All right. We're going to maintain that social distance, but we want to cover this thing in flowers. We're going to put it on the road, just as a way of saying, "Look, I know it feels dark right now, but nothing can stop the good news of Easter. Right? Nothing can stop the good news of Jesus Christ." So that's from four to seven p.m. on Saturday, and then we'll set it out there on Sunday. So you can also drive by on Sunday, see the cross, get out of your car, take a picture, put that on Facebook too, um, and just as a way of us all interacting with one another, all right? Finally, finally, Easter Sunday, 6.33 a.m., uh, Pastor Cody and I are going to be live. We're going to do our sunrise service in a totally different kind of way, but it will be live at 6.33. We hope that you are, are ready for that and that you'll join us live. If not, join the recording afterward. And, and then our Easter Sunday morning service will be posted just like this one, 10.30 a.m. on Sunday morning. Um, and after all of these Sunday, Sunday gatherings, we're gathering on Zoom at noon just to check in, respond. You can ask questions. We'll have a couple discussion questions from the sermon. Uh, we want to see each other. And so uh, that, that meeting will also be made available on Facebook and through the email, all, that same, all those same kind of ways. So thank you for sticking with us. I know that's a lot of announcements. I know um, we really appreciate you coming and attending online with us today. Uh, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ
The love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Spirit be with us all, even in the lunacy of this world. Lord God, would you bring your sanity and your stability to our lives today? Amen. Go in peace, friends.